and we're live. Uh-oh, this meeting is being recorded. Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Burson, and welcome to still another edition of, uh, what are we calling this? Money Talks and Bullshit Walks, or as those in the know would call it, MTBW, the history of Philadelphia from 1980 to present. Bill Green and Jim Kenny. As always, I am joined by Joe Willard, the king of Wissahickon. And Joe was crowned king by the lapsed Treaty of Ridge and Creamery. Um, I, I just want to know, Joe, I want you to know that there's breaking news that Donald Trump said it was the worst treaty in the history of man. And he revoked it. Um, but I told him it lapsed in 1978 and he didn't seem to care. Uh, and once again, he doesn't have jurisdiction over the treaties of Roxborough, so it's local control, baby. Joe, stop shaking your head and say hello. <laughs> say hello, people. <laughs> As most of you know, Joe is our Swiss Army knife. He writes, he directs, he texts, he, uh, uh, I think he does uh, treaties, but they're old, and he throws his two cents in. Before we get started, uh, I want you and all other posters to know that we have consulted with our eminent attorney, eminent attorney, Bombastic Bushkin of the law firm of Do We Cheat Him and How. Bushkin has asked us repeatedly to emphasize that for all past, current, and future podcasts, we are not histor historians, we are hysterical. We are not journalists, although at times we've had a former journalist be a guest on our podcast. He, like Joe and I, make no greater claim other than we do deal in urban legends. And if the truth gets in the way, um, so be it. Uh, you can just view us as a group of guys or gals or people or they uh, in a bar like we used to could before the virus, getting some laughs and talking trash about it, the city that loves you back. The land of the giants, as the former Inquirer columnist Steve Lopez called it on more than one occasion. And Joe, today we are again tra time traveling back to 1987. And uh, this is 1987 part two. And as we talked about it, if you were to read the part two, uh, we agreed that that should be in Roman numerals because it makes it sound like a, um, the Super Bowl, I think. Anyway, uh, we discussed urban legends and stories that surround the 87 municipal elections for mayor and city council. And that's uh, what we're gonna to discuss today. For all you podsters out there, just a quick primer. Philadelphia has its municipal elections on odd years. Joe, stop snickering. Some odd years, the elections, or as most of the people call it, off-year elections, are for mayor and city council. This generally applies to Philly and Pittsburgh. There could be other cities that have a mayoral form of government, but most have county forms. Uh, the county form of a uh, government uh, in Philadelphia were the same, uh, but now the, the counties uh, are ruled, so to speak, 
by the by commissioners, county commissioners. Uh, in Philly, we still have a county commissioner or county commissioners, but at this point, their sole task is to oversee and administer elections. Don't ask, don't ask. When other odd years of municipal elections are when 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 municipal elections are held for what we call row offices, these offices are for each of the 67 counties. And they would be the district attorney, the city controller, and others uh, that you don't need until you need them. Uh, so you don't really pay attention to them. They are stocked with generally competent patronage employees. Some are nice and helpful, others do their job, and smiles are extra. Anyway, you're not having dinner with them. But generally, they are reliable, and I say generally, but of course, we have to leave room for the opposite in Philadelphia. At least, that's my cynical experience. To be clear, even year elections generally involve statewide offices, attorney general, uh, state treasurer, auditor general, the state house, the state senate, the United States Senate, United States Congress, and United States Senate. Uh, I said that, and president uh, of the United States. And some people, in the words of the godfather of soul, James Brown, some people want a brand new funky president. Others want the same old funky song. Joe, I think that's enough with civics and James Brown. So let's get let's get to it. Great, because I was about to start singing, which you know you don't want that to happen. Well, I think that's right. Um, so 1987 was an off year, odd year election, and uh, it involved uh, the uh, the mayoral race and city council. Uh, those were the primary uh, offices that were up for election. And of course, first the primary, which is an intra-party affair. The Democrats and the Republicans, basically they choose their candidate for mayor and city council. And in 87, the Democratic primary election was between Wilson Good and Ed Rendell. Uh, Rendell was uh, the district attorney uh, and a sitting district attorney. Um, and this election, as most of you probably know, took place after one of the lowest points in Philadelphia's history, um, the move debacle. Randell had to resign to run for mayor. That is a Philadelphia rule or law or mandate, whatever. In order to seek another elected office, any office holder, any elected office holder, must resign their current position. The thinking is that you should uphold your duties uh, as the elected official for the one job uh, and, and fulfill them and not uh, in the event of a loss have their uh, old job or old elected job to fall back on. Uh, so that's resign to run. Joe, do you have any thoughts that are printable and resign to run? Have any thoughts about what to run? Resign to run, where you had, where uh, Rendell had to resign his office 
uh, and run to run. And uh, once he decided to do that, if he lost, he was out of a job. Uh, and if he won, he was no longer the district attorney. Uh, so, and that goes for everybody. Uh, so I'm just asking, uh, do you have any thoughts about the whole idea of resign to run? Um, I like to think that's a good idea from my perspective as an advocate in the community because the legislators can just go run for their office and not do their job. All right. All right. Well, I'm glad you're an activist. I think uh, you should run the Broad Street Run a few times, though. That would help. Who, Ed? Yeah, and all of them. John Street ran the Broad Street Run. He's the only guy I know who did. Didn't Street, uh, didn't uh, Randell walk the Broad Street Run? No, nah, he stands downtown outside the Bellevue, high-fiving everybody, which I appreciate. Yeah, it's, it's big. It's big. Um, anyway, uh, he, Randell was running against um, I, Wilson Goodloops, the incumbent mayor who I think most would agree was, um, shall we say, vulnerable. Um, and a lot of pundits, you like that word? Uh, yeah, don't ask the stuff. Those in the know thought good was toast. Um, and he had way too much baggage. Uh, I think most people expected that the coalition, which was liberals, progressives, and some of the black community would not come together as they did in 83, uh, when good beat uh, Rizzo. Um, and they thought that the, that kind of coalition would just split up. Uh, in 87, um, and I think to some degree it still holds true, but in 87, uh, the black, poli black uh, political community is, was divided into what I would call uh, fiefdoms or turfs. Um, and while they shared most of the same goals or ideals, we shouldn't make any mistake. They were at each other's throat, and um, they are today, too. But a funny thing happened uh, along the way uh, to uh, the fiefdoms. Uh, John Street at the time, whose big priority was housing and grassroots activism, uh, he was not, uh, by general rule in my mind, into powerful center city business community growth, and especially at the expense of neighborhoods. Um, I would say uh, his base was in North Philly, and to be sure, uh, there were other piles in North Philly, uh, but he was the main one and he was the councilman for the majority of that uh, district or that neighborhood. Um, in West Philly, there were more people in leadership roles. Um, Hardy Williams, who uh, is the father of the current state senator, Tony Williams. But Hardy had run for mayor in the early 70s and lost in the primary to Frank Rizzo. Uh, then there was Lucian Blackwell and his wife, Janie. Uh, Lucin held uh, both city and county uh, and ward politics close to his vest, uh, but he was certainly a power uh, in parts of West Philly. And 
I guess after his death, his wife, Janie, became a power in city council of her own and in ward politics. Um, and, and a lot of- a, Yeah, she was a staff person, I think, for him on city council. So she knew the ins and outs of getting things done in, in city council. Uh, and uh, as a war leader, she was viewed by many uh, as a king or queen maker for those who ran for judge. Um, and especially those that worked with Janie. Um, and basically the way it worked was that the candidates uh, would make contributions to the ward committee in this case, I think maybe Joe, you know, her ward, I think it was the 46th. Uh, it might, no, it's not the third. Uh, anyway, the funds, uh, by the way, this was uh, what I'm describing was all legal. Uh, the contributions were made uh, for committeemen for their work on election day. And that, now we're talking about wham, walking around money, and sometimes uh, for the distribution of sample ballots. Uh, as the urban legend goes, or as the story goes, uh, Janie had three distribution methods for sample ballots, uh, which were passed out in the morning, another one for another set of candidates uh, for, let's just say the middle of the day, and another for, let's just say, six to eight, just around the time the polls clo closed. Uh, if Janie liked you, uh, you would get to be on all three ballots. Uh, and uh, that would mean she was really for you. Uh, this was, as I said earlier, uh, especially true for candidates for judge, because they can't really say what they're for or against. Uh, they cannot advertise. Uh, and for, that's for a number of reasons. Uh, one of the many is that a judge has to or must maintain an open and fair mind. Uh, they're going to be asked to judge everything fairly. And of course, that makes candidates vulnerable toward politics. And Janie, I think a lot of people would say is in a league or, or was in a league of her own. I think she was in council for what, about 30 years, Joe? Uh, about that, so, yeah. And she, uh, she lost uh, the primary, uh, I guess in 19, but she was, she was a force, and she may still well be, but I'm talking about uh, 1987 and a little bit about today. Well, she was good with protecting a lot of homeless folks, a lot of poor people, um, really supported a lot of, um, a lot of food banks in her area, um, you know, the homeless shelters and the senior citizen complexes out there. She's and, a bread and butter, She's and, a bread and butter uh, legislator. And um, she was also involved with, uh, with the progressives or whatever you want to call them, the liberals out there. Um, and they had also a lot of other in common, things in common, um, including uh, what you just said, of course, but also she was uh, a force in the development of Lancaster Avenue and the 52nd Street Business Corridor, uh, obviously uh, into the improvement of uh, public schools. And to the extent that she could uh, and others could, she was not real happy about the encroachment of Penn and Drexel into West Philly. 
Um, and this also tipped into the fair housing or affordable housing uh, positions that she took. Um, and a lot of that stuff uh, that you talked about, and I think I just mentioned, uh, it, it really resonates today. It's, I mean, those issues are still there, especially uh, the ones uh, with homeless uh, people and food banks. You got 30 million people unemployed, uh, despite them some denial to the south of us. Um, and there are a lot of people who need food. And um, she was involved in that way, way long ago. Um, then I guess the next group in my mind, um, and I think the most powerful group, at least in 87, um, was they had the largest ties, in my opinion, to the progressive and the liberal activists. And they were from the Northwest part, Germantown, Mount Airy, Olney. Uh, and of course, they shared a lot of the same issues uh, or interest and um, I guess, uh, advocacy uh, for these issues that we've been talking about. Um, but they weren't adverse at all to working closely with um, the center city business community. Um, and that group generally, at least in 87, was led by Bill Gray. He was a congressman. Uh, he rose very, very quickly in Congress to become the chairman of the House Finance Committee. Uh, Jerry Mondesire was one of his chief staff members. Jerry, I think, was a former newspaper reporter. I'm not sure uh, whether it was the Daily News or the Inquirer. Anyway, John White, who was a state rep, I'm not sure if he was a councilman. He might have been a state senator. Uh, uh, George Burrell, who was a councilman, uh, and Marion Tasco, who later became a power in her own fort, own uh, right, uh, but she was a ward leader, I think, in the 10th ward. Um, but she worked very closely with the rest of them, and especially with the 50th ward. And yeah, I had the great Dave Richardson uh, representing Germantown and top part of, well, Story of Mansion area. Did, when did Dave pass away? Do you remember? Uh, I, yeah, it had to be like 15 some odd years ago. Um, and, and each of the groups were attracting, um, I guess what I would call, uh, gra other grassroots workers or people who were interested in politics and in progressive politics. And two that I can think of uh, were Dwight Evans and Chaka Fatah. Um, we'll get to Chaka's scandal later. Um, uh, and at some point, we should talk about how Chaka upset Lucian the Solution Blackwell. That's right. I forgot Lucian was 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 in fact a congressman. So Lucian was a congressman before he passed, and then Chaka uh, replaced him. And then there was another uh, politician from the Northwest who's still sitting in that seat, and that's uh, Dwight Evans. Yeah, that was back in '94. So we can we can talk about that when we get to the '90s. Yeah, and we'll and when we get to the aughts or the or the teens, we'll get back to Chaka and Chip and that whole uh, thing. Um, but I guess my point is that these uh, all these politicians sprung out of some sort of social improvements or progressive ideas. Uh, they didn't just walk out of. Uh, a crack in the sidewalk uh, fully grown. 
but there's others we, we should mention, although we might have already men, mentioned, I'm not sure. Um, I have a case of CRS, which of course everybody knows is can't remember shit. Um, anyway, the guy that I'm thinking about is Charlie or Charles Bowser. Did we talk about him? We mentioned him in previous things. And if you recall, I, I said I voted for the guy back in, uh, was it 76 when he ran against Rizzo or was it? 77, I think. Either Yeah, I think it was 77. It's either 77, no, it wasn't 79. I believe it was 77. Um, uh, anyway, uh, he, he also was a leader uh, in a lot of institutional uh, issues. Um, and he was a trailblazer, I guess. Uh, he ran for mayor. When, he, when you voted for him, Joe, he ran against Rizzo, but he had formed his own political party to run for mayor. And I think it might have been 75, Joe, but anyway. He, he ran in 75 and 79. So I couldn't vote in 75, so it had to be 79. You're that young? I, I is. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Bowser, uh, he did form a, his own party. I think it was the Philadelphia party. I, uh, he knew he couldn't beat Rizzo in a primary. Uh, but I think his thinking was that if he got into a general election, that perhaps the Republican Party uh, nominee would sift off or siphon off some votes and he could sneak in. Um, that uh, unfortunately uh, didn't work. But he, he really was a mentor, uh, mentor uh, to a lot of the people that we just talked about. Um, and he was... You know, he was way ahead of his time, as far back as, as I think, like 64, 65, something like that. He protested about the mummer's use of blackface, and that's an issue where that, I hope, has finally been resolved. Uh, he was named by Good to be part of the MOVE Commission. Um, and he was a really good lawyer as well. I, I never had any cases with him, um, but that was his reputation. Um, uh, I think, not positive, uh, he went, he was from North Philly. He may have gone to yeah, Central. He, was. Yep. Uh, he may have gone to Central, not positive. Yeah, he was a Central guy. And then there was Wilson Good, um, the, the mayor. And really, he had not come up through the political ranks that we just talked about, or any of the turfs or fiefdoms or fiefdoms or whatever. Uh, he weren't really... I, I don't think, I don't maybe disagree, Joe. I don't think he was really much of a politician. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, nah, he did some stuff. Well, of course, I did human services stuff back in the 80s and all. Um, he was managing in, in the time when Reagan's new federalism was taking dollars away from cities. Right. And, and, for, and, you know, I, my, I think we talked about this a little bit, you know, Reagan won in 80 and uh, he, he was very much about in the end of his second term in 87, just finishing off what he promised to do. And that was demolished all the, as many social programs that have been put into place, uh, I think since uh, probably the, the depression, somewhere in the, uh, 
early 40s, uh, mm -hmm. Roosevelt put that stuff in, and uh, Reagan uh, did everything he could to get rid of it. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, they were definitely going after all those programs. And um, yeah, I think we mentioned before the school district was in financial straits. So if you yeah. have less dollars, the employment programs like CETA were going away. Oh, I forgot CETA, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so uh, that entry portal into a real full-time, real job were disappearing left and right. So he had to manage all that crazy enough, plus the, the cocaine epidemic that hit. Yeah, um, and, and really, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you say manage, because I, I would say that in the, he was sort of a technocrat. He knew how to make things work. He might not have done things, certain things very well, but he, he figured out a way to, to make what, what made the, uh, the clock tick. I'm not saying he got the clock ticking well, but he knew how to make it tick. Um, and I, I would add, Joe, and I don't know if you agree with me, uh, he was a fair guy. I mean, uh, I agree on that one. Yep. I, yeah, and I think he, and it is hard. He was a good man. He is a good man. He's still living today and still doing uh, good work. He, he was uh, inclusive. And, uh, you know, just to follow up, he, I never heard anyone say or heard of anyone thought it, thinking of him as corrupt. Um, in 87, um, he was he he wanted to somehow or he was trying to get through some miracle reelected uh after move uh and he needed and he realized that he needed all those fiefdoms or turfs to come together uh with the liberal or progressive wings uh, of the city democratic party uh uh, and he knew that he had to do it not only in the primary when he ran against Riz, uh, Rendell, but uh, in the general election against uh, Rizzo. Uh, and he ended up, I think, beating Rendell pretty soundly. Uh, but Rizzo would become a different story. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think one of the reasons was, and, and the strange, I mean, a strange thing happened. Uh, the turf wars stopped. I mean, they paused or whatever you want to put it. The, uh, all of the major black leaders, elected leaders, excuse me, uh, they ended up coalescing around him uh, in support of good. Uh, he was uh, the city's first black mayor. Um, and I think more importantly, he wasn't really tied to any of these turf wars. Uh, but there seemed to be, and I, I guess looking back, there was a, you know, fierce loyalty for this guy. Um, maybe it wouldn't be that way today, but under uh, most circumstances, I, I just simply don't believe this would have happened. Uh, and Good would have lost to Rendell or to uh, Rizzo. Uh, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Uh, I'm not sure I don't have, um, yeah, I don't have the awareness that uh, the groups coalesced after him. Because uh, they were pretty split on a lot of things. 
Yeah, mostly about power. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you go back and look at, at where uh, these uh, high potentates, I love that word. It's a great uh, word. Yeah. Uh, uh, where, where they were with social issues, I don't think there was a nickel's worth of difference amongst them. It was all about, you know, power and, and getting people uh, who supported their ideas uh, in, into power. And again, uh, there wasn't really a lot of differences uh, with the philosophies or, or any of the standings. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's, that's similar with other ethnic groups too, right? The Irish fought the Italians yeah. and vice right. versa. And uh, so, um, well, you and I talked about this too. Um, and we shouldn't forget that in the middle of all this uh, in October, Right before the the, the general election, uh, the market, the stock market crashed. Oh yes, in October, right? Yeah. Uh, 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 was that the junk bond thing with Mil Milman or whatever his name, Milliken? Was that was that uh, was that uh, he was he part of that deal with the junk bonds? I, I get the crashes confused. Yeah, uh, it's tough. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to ask Wikipedia. You can go to the Google too. Anyway, uh, as I recall it, Rizzo was the endorsed Republican candidate for mayor. Uh, and I think he had beaten John Egan, but there were a couple of Egans uh, rolling around in the Republican Party uh, in the late mid 80s. There was John Egan and Joe Egan. And I, I I don't know. Do you remember one of them? One of them, I think, was from Roxborough. I'm not positive, but I think. Uh, no, he led. John Egan came out of um, Fishtown or Kensington. Okay. Uh, I hope I don't insult anybody by mixing that up. Uh, he became the head of the Philadelphia Stock Exchange, made some money, right. and then he moved to Roxborough. Oh, all right. So he uh, he becomes a, a more. Uh, prominent player down the line. Uh, anyway, Rizzo was uh, endorsed uh, by the Republican Party uh, and he beat Egan, John Egan uh, in the uh, primary. Um, so we're down to the main event, which uh, was Rizzo versus Good. Um, and let's not forget, and we tend to, uh, Frank Rizzo was a two-term mayor. He was very, very popular, uh, especially among uh, ethnic voters, shall we say. Uh, most of them lived in South Philly, some Hunting Park, and then, of course, a lot of them lived in Liberty County, right? Liberty County? Yeah, Liberty County was uh, the far Northeast uh, and they did not, the, the citizens, I should say, of, of uh, the far Northeast, uh, did not believe that they were being served by the city and that they were forgotten people. And they wanted to succeed from the city and form their own county called Liberty County. I remember uh, State Senator Hank Salvatore putting yeah. proposals in the and the General Assembly trying to get them to agree yeah. to allow them to secede. But I don't, I, that, that, uh, that didn't go very far or very well. Um, and you know what, Joe, I, I think that we, uh, we probably need to do something on the Northeast and 
uh, in one of these podcasts is uh, we don't mean to, but we have sort of overlooked them. Um, and I'll see what we can do. Uh, I got a couple friends from there. I, I will ask them, but they may not be my friends anymore. So we'll find that out. Uh, All right. Sounds good. Uh, and, and, and maybe you recall this, Joe, I think you probably would. The people up there and, and many of the other people who supported him were called Rizzocrats. Uh, right. And uh, they had their own little, he had his own following. And, um, uh, you know, you shouldn't make a uh, mistake. Rizzo was a political force. He was a bigot and his instincts were, were towards violence. But he barely lost uh, too good. Um, and in the Democratic primary in 80, 83, um, I think we mentioned, but by 87, Rizzo's politics, you know, they were much more in line with the Republican Party. Um, and, and as the general election was not a lackluster affair. Um, in fact, you know, there was a, I heard about a poll. Um, of course, we know what we think about polls. Just ask Hillary Clinton. Anyway, uh, but the, this poll that I heard about, a majority of the Philadelphians uh, before the election thought basically we were going down the tubes, which here, uh, there ain't much further to go. Uh, so, uh, we got we gotta talk more about uh, the Northeast situation, but now's not the time. Another little tidbit besides the polling information, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember this, Joe, but on election day in '87, uh, when Rizzo went to vote, his his name was not in the in the binder. Uh, he wasn't in the poll book. So uh, he had some choice things to say about where his shoe was going to end up when he found out uh, who pulled this little maneuver. Um, I think he thought it, he would, the, the guy would need a proctologist. But uh, so Rizzo had to get a court order. And that was the way things worked back then. When people, when this sort of uh, uh, thing happened, when you weren't in the binder and you weren't in the book, you had to go to a sitting judge, and they had them on in uh, each of the police districts, and you would tell the judge what happened, and the judge would then sign an order uh, that that person, in this case Rizzo, could vote, uh, but they were told by the judge that they had to re-register after the election because the court order uh, was only in effect for that particular election. So Rizzo got the court order. And, and the reason I bring this up, other than it's pretty funny, was now if that happened, uh, you would not have to go to a, uh, a judge to get a court order. You, uh, you would vote by provisional ballot. Uh, and they, they court, each of the polling places have these and they're basically envelopes uh, where you fill out your 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 uh, your candidate selections, and they put it in an envelope right before your very eyes, and they seal it, and that goes in with all the other uh, the, the, all the other ballots. Uh, but the the thing that is uh, 
distinguishes this is that they really only open the provisionals if the election was close. I have no idea what close means. Uh, Joe, you got any ideas? No, it'd have to be something like less than 100 votes separate the two, something like that. So, so Rizzo lost uh, to, to uh, good by, uh, I think it was 13,000 13, votes. Some, it was a very close election. It's like and, a 51 kind of a percentage separation, yeah, wasn't it? And, and, and today, I guess uh, Rizzo would have been able to vote by provisional ballot, but it might not have counted. He might not have, uh, because it was provisional, and it was past, uh, past what we were thinking about as a close election, his vote might not even accounted for himself. <laughs> um, so uh, when we started talking about 87 and, and the good administration, uh, that election, I, I told you that in the, the, in the 80s, uh, a lot of stuff happened during his administration. Um, you really had uh, a rising uh, black political class, if you want to call it, uh, and they clearly had become a major force in Philadelphia electoral politics. I mean, uh, you put that together with the alliance with the liberal or progressive portion or wing of the Democratic uh, Party, and it was a pretty big and still is uh, a pretty big and and a uh, strong force, uh, in not only in elective politics, but in a lot of the social issues uh, that the Democratic Party has uh, brought to bear, or brought to the forefront. Um, and uh, if you look at, at the uh, at, at what has been produced by that force, you can look at, at Ed Rendell. Uh, he was a two-term mayor. Uh, and a two-term governor, and the significance, I think, of, of the governor uh, is that he was the only governor in the last 40 years who came from Philly, uh, which everybody knows is the largest city in the state. Um, and I don't even know, maybe even further back than 40 years, uh, we haven't had a, a governor from Philly. And then uh, that force put John Street in, it put Michael Nutter in. And in 2017, uh, Jim Kenney beat the 30-year chairman of the Philadelphia Democratic Party and a sitting United States congressman, uh, Bob Brady. Uh, and that simply would never have happened had that coalition not uh, been formed or came together. Uh, so it, that, that whole thing really started uh, in the 80s, uh, late 80s. Um, where there was this joining. It had nothing to do, in my estimation, uh, with the turf wars in the sense that it was going to be somebody from one of those turfs who was going to be the leader, uh, the head uh, of the, of the, of the uh, community and the black elected officials. Somebody from around this city uh, was was going to take over, and it's it's funny you should say that it went from Fatah to 
for Blackwell out in West Philly. I, I, would, I would guess that Fatah uh, was West Philly. Um, I'm not positive where he was from. Yeah, he was from uh, West Philly. He was from the Black Bottom. Right, um, okay. Yeah. Maybe you should explain to the potsters where that is. Well, it's a certain section of West Philadelphia, uh, just above 40th Street. Um, on the right-hand side of Market, so north of Market, um, bound by Lancaster Avenue and, and Market Street. Yeah. Well, now, now the Podsters know where the Black Bottom is, and they know how to get there. And um, anyway, Fatah took had the seat after he beat Blackwell uh, again of it in another turf war. Uh, and then Evans, who was closely associated and still is to this day with the Northwest gang, uh, it, it finally ended up with the seat after Fatah was um, sent to jail. So everybody got a chance. Uh, North Philly got a chance. Uh, West Philly got a chance. And they all ended up uh, getting their opportunity to be uh, in Congress and serve that district. Uh, so uh, I would say that uh, a lot of this stuff uh, came together uh, in the late 80s. Um, uh, but after, after Good was elected, uh, the peace was broken uh, and the factions went back to the turf wars. Um, Joe, can you think of anything else uh, about 87, plagues, boils? I like boils. Uh, they were always one of my favorites. Uh, uh, pandemics, anything uh, along those lines that really sort of grabs you? Well, we already talked about the Flyers and what they did um, yeah. in 87. Stat history. We, we, we did sports in 87, and if the guy who complained about us not doing sports, uh, he can go back and listen to our 87 part one podcast. If not, the hell with them. Uh, but I, I, you know what, I almost forgot. We did have uh, some corruption, corruption cases. Um, and that's surprising. And Philadelphia? Uh, really? Yeah. Well, you know, it's a sta staple. And one of the leading staples was uh, the parking authority. Um, where uh, words like uh, patronage, ticket fixing, uh, federal grand jury, corruption, probe, FBI, U.S. attorneys, arrests, trials, facing maximum terms, those, those kinds of, of uh, terms themselves were, were bandied about. Um, but we will get to that because there was a second scandal uh, in, I think, like 2011, 12, 13. Anyway, when we get to it, we get to it. Uh, a lot of the same terms applied, uh, but we're going to have to talk about the, uh, the parking authority itself and what it is and how it came into being and who controls it, who controlled it and what the hell the act says that created it. And that's the state act that created it, not any kind of uh, councilmatic uh, thing. Um, and, and you know what, Joe, we, uh, and we're remiss, and I don't want to be remiss, but before we close, uh, 
another urban legend has come back. And I'm so proud to say it was Ozzie Myers, the man who gave us the title of this show. Uh, he has come back and he was arrested for some sort of voting uh, fraud. Uh, you know, uh, keep your eyes on the paper or whatever device you watch it. Uh, it'll save me some time later in explaining it, but a tip of the old uh, computer or something to Ozzy for getting us back in the game. Um, uh, you know, in finishing, and I was, you know, I was looking at my notes before we did this, and uh, there, there was something in the uh, in the uh, notes that I had. Um, for MTBW uh, that I would like to quote. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know who I'm quoting and I don't know what I'm quoting uh, about, but I think it's a great quote. Uh, as I said, I don't know who wrote it or said it, uh, but and it wasn't about Wilson Good, but I think it applies uh, to good second term. Uh, it was a good place for a soft landing with low expectations. <laughs> Later, much posters. And that's the end of another thrilling show. I hope this one was better than the last one. Good night, people. Good night.